For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The world-famous Superbook Sports is now at the Lodge Casino in Blackhawk. You can get right in the heart of the action. Catch all of the games on their state-of-the-art TVs in the comfort of this traditional sportsbook. I have been there. It's a fantastic place to watch a game. Superbook Sports is known for better odds, favorable pricing, and an extensive wagering menu focusing on your Colorado teams. Now the Lodge Casino is your first place for fun and for sports. Have a gambling problem? Call one 800 522-4700 for help. Welcome to the Believe in Broncos podcast. I am your host, Troy Rank from Denver 7. And you're having a wonderful day. The heat is back here in the metro Denver. And we are close to the beginning of training camp, less than two weeks away there is some optimism around this team. Frankly, uh, some real optimism, not rolled-your-eyes optimism. This team has a chance to reach the playoffs. Certainly they have a chance for a winning record based on their home schedule alone. So, you know, earlier in this week I caught up with Kendall Hinton. Uh, we've had some media members recently. We'll finish this week's podcast kind of going over some stuff I did as the co-host of uh, 104.3 The Fan today with Raj Sharon uh, from 9 to noon and he raised an interesting point of kind of the, the three legs to the stool, what is most important to the Broncos' success, and we kind of bandied it about. And according to Raj, he had coach Vic Fangio, coordinator Pat Shermer, and the quarterback position. You know, in most organizations, if you want to be successful in the NFL, it's really GM, head coach, quarterback. That is more of the broader view, the view from 30,000 feet, if you will, uh, if you have dysfunction at one or two of those positions, it makes it very difficult to win, and the Broncos are proof of that. We've had 10 starting quarterbacks since Peyton Manning. Uh, since Manning played, they've had Gary Kubiak, Vance Joseph, and Vic Fangio as the head coach, and if Teddy Bridgewater wins the competition in training camp, they will have their fifth starting quarterback in five years. That's not typically how you succeed in the NFL in a quarterback-driven league. But I did disagree with Raj ever so slightly. And my take on that stool approach in terms of the legs on this chair, if you're going to – I do legs of the chair. It can't be three or it wouldn't, it'd be pretty wobbly, right? <laughs> but the stool approach, the three uh, legs you need. Vic Fangio is part of it. Um, he has to be better. And clock management is part of that. As I talked about today on the fan, part of it is he has to be kind of the voice of the room and see the team with uh, through a broader lens. In terms of clock management, that's one thing. That's a, more of a strategic issue, a mechanics issue. But for me, this sets up as possibly his last season. He can't afford another slow start. Fangio's 0-7 in September. He hasn't been above 500 in one day in his two seasons as head coach. 
the schedule set up for them to be 3-0 and or 2-1 and the first three games of the season with the opener at the Giants, go to Jacksonville, and then the home opener against the Jets. Anything less than 2-1, and frankly, is a disaster. And when you look at the back half of their schedule with all-conference foes and included road games at LA, or excuse me, Vegas and at Kansas City, if you're counting on winning those games to get back to respectability, we've seen it. It just doesn't regularly happen, Not especially if you don't have an elite quarterback. But Vic Fangio would be uh, one of them for sure. And it is tied to the play caller. But for me, Fangio is related and linked to Pat Shermer in this way. If Fangio doesn't like what he sees, he needs to express that during the game. It doesn't mean post-game. You, know, you throw somebody under the bus and say, I disagreed with them. You can tell them that in private and just say that these decisions were made collectively or we talked and discussed and this is what uh, we came to in terms of our uh, ultimate choice of a play or a route or whatever it may be. But Fangio, when the offense is on the field, I think at times he needs to be able to uh, be engaged in that way. And then when the defense is on the field, if he needs to talk to the offense and make a point and be adamant about something, that's something that hand over the play calling for a series to Ed Donatell if you need to. Allow you to go over to Shermer either through the headset or to your quarterback and say, hey, we need to get to the ball to this guy. Or go to the offensive line and say, we need to get a couple first downs on the ground. You need to take control of this game. I think there needs to be more of that interaction because we all know Coach Fangio is a, a defensive uh, genius in so many ways. And his defense will be better this year because of the personnel alone, the improved personnel at cornerback. I mean, they were taking guys off the street last year, for heaven's sake. He's got a, it should have an elite secondary and a healthy uh, pass rush. So that gives them a chance to succeed. But he cannot have a great defense, in my opinion, without a functional offense that scores 25 points a game, that gives you a chance for your pass rushers and your secondary to get takeaways, to force teams to throw on third and long in the fourth quarter, to force them to put their quarterback in harm's way, to force them to throw balls over the middle of the field that are uncomfortable and risky. They're not taking risks if they're up 20-10 to 10 with eight minutes left in the game. They're going to run the ball, throw a screen, nothing where you're going to be able to get to their quarterback, and they're going to dare you to go 75, 80 yards to try to get a touchdown. That's not a recipe for one. That's where I'm saying with Fangio, it starts with him in this regard, in this uh, this uh, calisthenic of an exercise we're running. For me, needs a broader lens with this team in terms of, and even on special teams as well. I just think sometimes he needs to back away from the defense, trust Ed Donatel. Donatel knows this defense as well as anyone, given his number of years he's coached with Fangio. If there's points that need to be made during the game and emphasized to win the game, not win the defensive battle, that doesn't keep your job. By Your defense held them to 17 or your defense held them to 20 points. It doesn't matter if you're losing. That's why I say Coach Fangio needs to find ways uh, to get more and find specific creases to get more involved with the overall plan on game day. That's number one. So Fangio, if these three things that need to happen well. Number two, what is the second leg of this kind of stool of the most important thing? I'll tell you after the break. My Believe in Broncos podcast is sponsored by Hoggett Injury Law. Their motto, with us, it's personal. Speaking of personal, let me tell you about my friend, Darby Hoggett. I've known Darby for the better part of a decade, coached his son in travel baseball. At those tournaments, we would talk a lot of baseball and a lot of Broncos. He's a huge Broncos fan. We've become friends. 
In fact, many of Darby's clients have become his good friends. You don't even have to pay Darby up front. If your case goes as planned, Darby will be the one writing checks to you. If you've been hurt in a car wreck or injured at work, give his team a call at 1-833-HOGGIT, H-O-G-G-A-T-T, or find out more by visiting their website at www.hoggetlaw.com. Welcome back to the Believe in Broncos podcast. I am your host, Troy Rink from Denver 7, and we're talking kind of those, those you have a, the legs to a stool to make this Broncos team stand on its own, have a chance for a winning record, which would be its first in four years. They've had four straight losing seasons for the first time since 63-72. to 72. They have not gone to the playoffs since they won Super Bowl 50. So, number one, Coach Fangio. Again, I've said he needs to find creases, find ways to get more involved in the overall operation on game day, specifically with offense, but if special teams if needed. Uh, to allow Ed Donatel, trust him with the defense if he needs to for a series or two or a play or two to make sure he's making the specific points to the offense. And same with special teams. And maybe that involves personnel. Maybe it involves strategy in the punt game, whatever. There needs to be, for me, Fangio more involved in that. The second thing is clear. Quarterback play. It, just, it needs to be functional. It needs to be mediocre. They've, they've had uh, delusions of adequacy since Peyton Manning retired. Two quarterbacks with a winning record um, since he retired, and that is Trevor Simeon at 13-11, and 11, Brett Rippon at 1-0. and 0. Whether it's Teddy Bridgewater, whether it's Drew Locke, we've talked about this. Teddy has a higher uh, floor. Drew Locke has a higher ceiling. If you're asking me uh, who I think will win the job as we sit here in July, a couple weeks out, a little less than that from training camp, I give Teddy a slight nod, very slight edge because of the fact they have to start fast. They can't afford to sacrifice any games because of turnovers offensively. And, and win up those first three games. It's not a great strategy moving forward for the bulk of the season, but you could win 20-17 to 17 in those first three weeks against the Giants, Jaguars, and Jets. But you're not beating the Ravens that way. You're not beating the Steelers that way, probably. You're not beating the Chiefs, certainly, that way. I mean, those are not winning. And you're not winning on the road, typically, that way. But for those first three weeks, you could win that way. So whether it's Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke, who has the higher ceiling, they have to be able to get functional play. And that might just be, be the 18th best quarterback, 19th. Last year, they are essentially dead last in completion percentage. Locke was interceptions overall, but Locke was tied for the league league by himself. That's why they ranked dead last in giveaways. You can't win that way. I mean, it's like a pitcher who walks a bunch of guys. He still he strikes a couple out. You know, there's just too many guys on base, and there's one blue pit, one line drive. You're down four nothing, and they've had one hit because you've you know put yourself stepped on your own toes with walks. You can't win that way. You just can't. So the second important thing would be the quarterback play, obviously, with Teddy Bridgewater or Von Miller. And Aaron Rodgers is still out there until he's not. <clears throat> I just do not think they're going to trade him at this point. Uh, everyone says, well, what if he holds out and they could trade him at the trade deadline? You know, if you're Denver, you'd still be interested, especially if you'd have him for the following season. But for him to come in in October and let's say you're 2-5 and five at that point, could he get you back to 500? Maybe. I mean, and I love Aaron Rodgers' ability. He's the reason he's a reigning MVP. But I'm not sure the advantage of that. And frankly, what would be the motivation of the Packers to get picks at that point with maybe one or two teams that could afford to do that trade when they could just wait and get more teams involved in the offseason? 
the argument would be they just want to eliminate the distraction. But if he's not in camp and he's not in the facility, yeah, if Jordan Love plays poorly, it's going to come up every week. Is this the week Aaron Rodgers returns? I remember the last time a high-profile holdout where a team caved, and there's been probably other ones, but Emmett Smith, I think they were coming off the Super Bowl win. The Cowboys started off like 0-2, and then it gave Smith all the leverage. He got a new contract, and then, of course, they, they were successful again when he returned. Unfortunately, with the Packers, this is not just a contract issue with Rodgers. If it were that, it would be not easy to resolve, but certainly something you could resolve with the number of zeros on the after the comma. It's not that simple with Rodgers. Uh, so I've said all along my current prediction is that they keep the marriage together for the kids for one more year, and then they get divorced in the offseason when there's more teams available for trade. That's when they would benefit from having the picks uh, going into the draft. Getting the picks midseason in October does nothing for them. Um, so uh, I guess you could say if you traded the one, maybe a slight advantage, if you traded to a team in midseason and got the picks, he couldn't affect, uh, meaning Rodgers, their record as much, so that pick would be better if it's multiple first-rounders. But uh, I, I just I don't see that scenario. But it is, as we've said about Rodgers before, a beautiful mystery. But the quarterbacks have to be better, whether it's Locke and maybe they can get him involved. They run the heck out of the football. He was good in play action last year. Maybe it's Teddy by just taking care of the football and being really accurate and following a game plan that moves the chains and keeps uh, minimizes big mistakes, whatever the case. They need better quarterback play. My guess is they're going to try to achieve better quarterback play through a hellacious running game and try to play off that through play action, through bootleg, to run their offense off the running game, not unlike uh, in some ways Cleveland did last year when you saw Baker Mayfield's remarkable transformation because they ran the heck out of the football. So I think that's a secret. But So we got Fangio, we have got the quarterbacks, and the third thing for me would be Von Miller. If they're going to be a great team, their best players have to play well. And you could say Sutton, he's in that conversation, Justin Simmons. But Von Miller is the face of the Broncos in so many ways. It's becoming a wrinkled face at age 32, but he is the face nonetheless. And if you're going to look up at the end of the season and see the Broncos 9-8 and or a 10-7, and uh, perhaps a playoff team, I think you can't have fewer than 25 stack sacks between Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. I texted with Bradley Chubb this week and asked him how he's feeling. I've heard nothing but great reports about his diligence and his rehab. People that are in the facility say, see him every day. Very similar to his approach when he rehabbed from uh, ACL surgery and turned in his first Pro Bowl season last year. Bradley told me, I asked, you how you, asked him how you feeling. He said, quote, feeling like money. That's a good sign. Does that mean they might, uh, does that mean that would prevent him from limiting him some in training camp? Uh, giving him plan days off? No, because the idea is to have him ready 100% full throttle on September 12th at the Giants. I don't need him to be full throttle against the Vikings and those uh, scrimmages. I don't need him to be full throttle against the Seahawks. I don't need him to be full throttle against the Rams. What I need from Bradley Chubb is to be ready to go and paired with Von Miller on opening night to get after Daniel Jones. That is what you want to see. And again, Von Miller... He has a lot to prove. Bradley Chubb has uh, is playing for a contract. Is he a future cornerstone guy, an anchor to this team? I think he is going forward. If he shows he's healthy this year, I think there will be no reluctance to give him a long-term deal. But I had a chance to talk to Vaughn Miller 
at the celebrity softball game. They did some media before that and kind of stopped by each of the outlets. But I was able to spend some uh, several minutes with Vaughn and ask him uh, about the quarterback situation, about his future at age 32, some of the things that come up about him. And let's throw to the sound and see what Vaughn had to say earlier this week. Are you starting to get jazz for this season yet, or is your mind not, uh, not yet? Not yet. You know, last year I started way early, you know, and, you know, now I'm just trying to, you know, I wouldn't say taper down, but the timing has is, is, been a huge deal with me. Instead of just going super hard in, in January all the way up to May, you know, I just kind of pushed it back a little bit, and now we're starting to rev it up. I'm here in Denver for the next three weeks all the way up until training camp. Usually I will come in two days before, you know, the season, you know, two days before training camp starts, but I'm here three weeks in advance to try to get acclimated and, you know, just try to come up with a different game plan to attack this season. How many times do you get asked about the quarterback every day? <laughs> Wait, which one? They're talking about uh, Teddy, Teddy? A-Rod, or Drew Lock. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been crazy. It's been crazy, man. I've just been trying to stay out of it. You know, whatever happens, happens. I'm, I'm okay with the guys that we have now. I'm okay with, you know, Teddy Bridgewater. I'm okay with Drew Lock. These guys have these guys have impressed the hell out of everybody on our team. So whatever happens, happens. You know, we, we already know what type of league this is. Anything can happen at any, any given moment. But the guys that we have now, you know, I'm super excited and, and um, I'm ready to go with either Drew or Teddy. So whatever happens, happens. We got we got George Payton and John Elway. They working all the other stuff and whatever can be done will be done. I'm a you know I'm a firm believer of that. But the guys that we have now, you know, I'm super excited about the guys that we have now. You're 32 with a chip on your shoulder. I don't know that you could be much more dangerous, can you? I I, I don't think so. I, I just try to just change that focus a little bit. You know, it's uh like you said, I had a chip on my shoulder last year and. Now I'm just trying to, you know, just chill and have fun with the guys, you know, not be as serious. You know, last year in the meetings, it was super serious, ready to go, 31, and said I can't play no more. But now, you know, I know what I can do. I know the type of player that I am. I know what type, how much football I still have left in me. And, yeah, I'm just, you know, just trying to have fun, enjoy my time with BMAC. This is his contract year, my contract year. So just trying to enjoy the time with my guys and, you know, whatever happens, happens. So it's an interesting approach because, remember, it was a year ago that Vaughn talked about the Kobe Bryant Mamba mentality the Michael Jordan mentality after watching um, The Last Dance, that he wanted to be that kind of a leader and respected. But I think he's realizing he, at 32, he has to be himself. Again, Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant had no issue with being disliked. They did not care. They would pull your heart out and show it to you. They did not care if they were making friends with everyone in the, the locker room. That was not a priority. Only thing that was a priority was winning. Vaughn is a glue guy in a locker room. He brings people together. He's funny. He's outgoing. He's charismatic. So he needs to lead through being accountable just in effort and attitude and attention. I mean, those little things. Vaughn trying to play the bad guy and yelling at teammates. I just don't think that's him. I, I mean, teammates would listen because of his stature, but they also know who Vaughn is. I mean, again, this is a guy who's fun who's made the transition to for new teammates easier. He's just been a guy who's always brought every side of the locker room together. I mean, his best friend is, you know, in many ways, Brandon McManus, the kicker. He's been friends with DeMarcus Ware. I mean, pick up offensive guy. Like, that's what makes Vaughn special in his relationships. So I think he's given you a little window into, I'm not going to sit here and live or die with every preseason play and practice. I need to know... I can be productive, and he's confident still, 
and I can do it on the field on Sunday. And that's the best way he can lead at this point in his career. He can do other things. There's nuanced leadership. But Vaughn's best leadership for the Broncos is a Pro Bowl-type season where he ends up in the All-Pro conversation. He's still ranked ESPN recently, had uh, 50 executives and, and such ranked top 10 players at each position, and he came in sixth, if memory serves. I mean, he's highly regarded. And that tells you something coming off a lost season due to, due to a dislocated ankle tendon and the fact he's 32. But when you look at the history of pass rushers, recent history, 32 shouldn't prevent him from having a big year. And I'm talking 12, 13 sacks. Uh, once you get to 33, 34, the numbers, history is not as kind to elite pass rushers. But for Vaughn to get to the, the total that we all want to see from him and where he changes games, he gets strip sacks, it really comes down to being a one-possession one game late in the third and in the fourth quarter. That's when Von Miller can make a difference with his bend, with his agility, with his get-off in terms of the line. He can't make a difference when it's two-step drops and the ball's out in two seconds. Von's not going to win games in that case. But if you remember that Jets game last year, Broncos had a lead late. Jets are forced to pass the ball. Who is the most dominant player on the field? Bradley Chubb. That's when Vaughn is at his best, when it's your team's leading by three and the other team has to make a play. Your team's up by a touchdown. The other team has to drive. That's when Vaughn can get crazy in terms of his pass rush. And you pair that with Bradley Chubb, that's when things could get very interesting, could lead to more takeaways. I've said they need 25 takeaways at the very minimum. But that's when this team could become dangerous. Um, and that's when it could get interesting. So hope you enjoyed today's podcast. As always, I want to thank my sponsors, Superbook Sports. They're the best uh, friends of mine. I can't thank them enough for all the support they've given uh, my Believe in Broncos podcast. And also my friend Darby Hoggett from Hoggett Injury Law. He's a huge Bronco fan. I know he's optimistic and hopeful this is the season. Uh, they get it going again and get back on track. And thanks to my son, Dagan. It was great to see him home recently and do some. Uh, he was able to do some remote work and home and see him. And he does just yeoman's work on this podcast. It makes it possible. And thank you to my family for being patient, trying to do the podcast, fitting in with our new be- uh, bulldog, Bentley the Bulldog. We've got a bulldog pup, which is the greatest thing. It also means I'm sleeping roughly about two hours a night. But I wouldn't change it for the world. So, again, Broncos country, I do this podcast for you. Happiness, that begins with me. Go out there and have a great day. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.